Swamiji, is there life after death? Well, there's no life anywhere that is not life. There can't be death because everything is a part of God's consciousness. Everything was manifested by his consciousness. When you die, all you do is shuffle off your, your uh, overcoat, you might say. But certainly there's the same consciousness after death as before with a certain freedom because you don't have the bondage of this physical body and the pains of the physical body. You're without physical pain. Those who have had great suffering before death, as soon as death comes, there's no more suffering. But there certainly is consciousness. How can we... We don't remember those states, though, or, or most people don't. Um, how do we know that that exists? There has been the, one of the beauties of modern, uh, the modern age is that many people have written books that have been published that are uh, known all over the world. People who have experienced after-death states and then come back from them. People who have uh, been able to see psychically those who have died and brought back messages that prove that they, they know what they're talking about because the people on the other side knew things that the psychic didn't know, that the person in the family recognized. There are so many proofs that it's really, it would take a pretty diehard skeptic to doubt that this is valid. Can Swamiji, is there um, so much proof around it, but why, why is it hidden from us? Why do we not know? If you had absolute knowledge, you would find out too soon. That's the truth of it. God has put us in this position to find out by our own discrimination, not by um, having it forced down our throat, the truth that there is life after death, that there are other lives that we have lived, that we, we aren't supposed to know so much because we've got to, at this stage of our evolution, we have to reach that understanding by our own discrimination. The first thing you find that people ask themselves is, we dream at night. Is there such a difference between what we see in the dream and what we experience right now? My guru told me the story of a man who, a, his son was bitten by a cobra and died. And he didn't say anything. And his wife said, you're heartless. He said, no, you don't understand. In my dream last night, I dreamed that I was a king and I had six sons and all of them were bitten by snakes and died. Now I'm wondering, should I grieve for those six or should I grieve for this one? But it's all a dream. And if we found out that too soon, well, Yogananda put it this way, why should God reveal himself to people? He knows all they'd want to do is argue with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have to, we have to understand by discrimination that there must be something else. I remember when I was seeking truth, and I was seeking it very intensely, but it was by my reasoning that I came to the point of understanding that there has to be a God. It has to be conscious, and I have to be a part of that consciousness. And if I am, then the more I 
am in tune with his larger consciousness, the more I'll understand that uh, um, what I really am, I'm a part of him. But we have, at this stage of our evolution, we have to come to that understanding ourselves. And that's why God makes it hidden. Not only that, supposing you were a murderer in your last life, you would be reborn with the thought that I'm a murderer. That would be your self-definition. Yogananda used to say the worst sin is to call yourself a sinner. We should not hypnotize ourselves by our weaknesses. And so if we remembered who we were, it would be much more difficult to overcome that uh, tendency to sin, to be, mur to be a murderer, whatever it might be. In a way, it's a blessing because it gives us a chance to start all over again. Swami, when a loved one dies, we naturally feel a lot of grief and, and uh, difficulty understanding where is that soul. Is there a way to contact someone from the other side? Well, you know, in deep, if you call deeply to that person, such people often will come to you in dreams. I had a cousin who died. She was very close to me. And uh, after her death, suddenly she came to me one day in a dream. And it was a very real dream. It was just the way she was when she was young, when we were in college together. And uh, there were symbols involved too, but it was a real dream. Relatives do come to you in dreams like that. But we have to, if, if this world were all beautiful, we wouldn't seek a better one. We have to reach that point where we rise above attachment to Maya to the, in this physical form, and then we go to the subtler form of Maya in the astral world. In that world, when we're free from this world, we remember all the people that we've known before. In fact, it's sort of scary when you think of it because it suggests an awfully long journey. Buddha said that we should, the reason we should love everybody in this world is that everyone, at one time or another, has been dear to us. That's hard to believe, hard to accept, but if he said it, it must be true. Swami. Swamiji, I was wondering, you mentioned about having a dream about your cousin that was a true dream. How can you differentiate I between... I think true dreams are dreams that you remember just as vividly as, as uh, when it happened long after, days later, months later. There are certain dreams that I've had that I remember clearly even now, although they happened 60 years ago. So that kind of thing. Are the colors more intense or vivid? I suppose the colors are strong. Yeah, not necessarily. Some of the dreams have not had strong colors. I usually dream in color, but uh, not strong colors necessarily. Swami, you used a term a little while ago, Maya. What does that mean? Maya means delusion. God, in order to manifest himself, see, God couldn't be a carpenter. He couldn't buy wood and uh, plant it and cut it and saw it and nail it and everything, make a table. He couldn't make this universe out of something that didn't exist. There was only he. Therefore, how did he bring this universe into existence? He had to dream it. 
just as you dream at night. And this is the reason we have that capacity, is to give us a suggestion that maybe this whole world is a dream. It is a dream. Maya is that spell that he casts out of himself that makes things look real, although they aren't. Science has discovered that matter is not hard. It's not solid. It seems so, but it's really only energy in a state of vibration. When that energy is, when it's in a subtler still, then it's discovered to be a vibration of thoughts. Mm -hmm. And thoughts are a vibration of consciousness. And so everything ultimately is consciousness stepped down through thoughts, through energy, to solid matter. And uh, all of that is a part of Maya, because none of it really is, it, none of it really exists. All, it's all a play of consciousness. So matter is thought that's vibrating at the grossest level? It's energy grossing, uh, vibrating at the grossest level. And that energy is thoughts vibrating at a lower level. And thoughts are consciousness vibrating at a lower level. God is just an ocean. And when waves appear on the ocean, when the wind of delusion, the wind of Maya, um, blows over that ocean, it creates waves. Waves are vibration. And so you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Or in India they put it the other way, Om Tat Sat. Om is the Holy Ghost, the vibration that produced the universe, that is the universe. The thought, the Tat, is the Christ consciousness, which is the unmoving reflection of spirit in every atom of creation. And this is what Jesus had attained. He attained that consciousness that, that uh, is the Christ consciousness. Mm. He was Jesus the Christ. Christ was not his name. And Krishna was not the name of Krishna. It was his title. Krishna and Christ have the same meaning. The, in India they call it the Kuta Satitanya, the consciousness that is all, all pervading in the universe. But in every single atom, there's a still reflection of the spirit. And the third one, there was one more? Spirit beyond creation. Mm. And uh, when you attain complete liberation, then you go into that spirit. You become that. Some people think, well, I don't want to lose myself. Well, the truth is, it's a marvelous thing. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now you may think, well, you don't get gold in God, <laughs> but you get the riches that make gold attractive. All the things that, you, the, that this world represents as attractive to you, you get there, but you might think, oh, well, at least there's one thing that I, I won't find when I find God. I'll have lost myself. No. You don't lose yourself. There's a little atom of self-consciousness that remains through eternity. So that when, so for example, once you're in that state and somebody looks on you as a saint and prays to you, it's you who come back. You have reactivated that memory to come back. But you've, there's always that little germ of separate consciousness that is you and that is I, that is everybody that is never lost. 
even oneness with God, even your own self is not completely lost because in that you know at least there's the memory of having been Dharmadas or whatever. So every atom is dowered with individuality. individuality. This is the beauty of uh, the cosmic show, you might say. When people attain that state, they don't lose anything, they attain everything. That's why of all the saints that have ever lived, not one has ever said, what a scam. <laughs> They've all said, this is all we ever wanted. And we thought we would find it in gold, we thought we would find it in sex, we thought we'd find it in drugs or alcohol or possessions or beautiful vases or whatever it might be. But we never found it. And now we have everything that we ever wanted. And it isn't that heaven is cluttered, it's freed. You find that freedom of absoluteness.